Hello, Dahi. Welcome to 15 Minute Coffee. How are you keeping? Flying it now, Alan. Thanks for having me. How are you going, yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Delighted to have you on. Um, so I suppose we'll we'll start um, with a congratulations on your new role as pro- program manager um, of Gwelga Three Six Five. Yeah, that's at it. Dublin yeah. City Council. Um, so, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about the initiative, what it is, what your role is, and sort of what the goals are for the project? Yeah, so um, Gwelga Three Six Five is um, the country's first innovation unit which specifically looks at how to strengthen the usage of the Irish language so um, as I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners in Ireland are kind of aware but maybe global listeners mightn't be um, there's an indigenous language in Ireland um, called Irish um, which is spoken on a daily basis by around 100,000 people but there's about 1.5 million people who can speak it and and what the statistics will tell us, say, for Dublin City is that 61% of all citizens wish um, they were speaking Irish more often. 30% of citizens can speak Irish. Um, but I think in around 1% are speaking Irish every day. And so there's a kind of bit of a challenge there in that people can speak Irish, people want to speak Irish, but unfortunately people aren't. And um, so really I'm uh setting up um this new kind of innovation unit to come up with kind of new ideas and new ways of thinking which can help kind of bridge that gap for people yeah and i suppose before before you got into this and um a few years ago you set up uh, Niguel Oga, which is a perfect example of what you're just speaking of and I suppose what inspired that and what, what is Niguel Oga and, and what was the inspiration behind that and um yeah, How is so, that sort of so I think people, when they think about the Irish language, everybody likes to project the solution to their own story. And for some people, that story is they didn't manage to learn the language particularly well at school. Maybe they didn't have a particularly positive experience. But for a lot of people, it's a very different story. And um, so we have tens of thousands of people going through Irish medium education where they're doing all of their education through the year of Irish. We've many more who've received positive experiences of the Irish language through maybe growth of summer courses or through English medium skills. Um, but what happens is if you leave the education system as a fluent Irish speaker um, tomorrow, there's only a 4% likelihood that you're going to speak that language every day. Um, so really the, the main challenge that I would see is Ultimately, with lots of people who can speak the language, but there's just nowhere for them to speak it. So that was something that first kind of struck me when I was um, in college, I was about 20. And I was like, well, why is there nowhere, really? There's, there seems to be a lot of people who can speak this language. Lots of people want to speak this language. It seems to be very important to a lot of people, but there's no real focal points to bring people together. And so I just got talking to a couple of people, and we had a fairly simple idea of what had happened if we set up uh, an Irish-speaking GA club. Um, and I remember at the time, uh, we kind of put the idea out there, and there were some people who were, were kind of very critical, like the Sunday Independent at the time published an article outlining all the reasons why they thought um, we wouldn't succeed. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, 
ultimately language it's important for for a lot of people and and with Nguelo we've been the fastest goal sports club in the country over the last kind of 10 years we now have 600 members playing across 40 plus teams but more than anything we've we've created a model which shows that when you bring when you create vibrancy when you create this infrastructure for people to speak Irish every day as a community language that there are a massive amount of people who are willing to engage and what's really interesting is we started off with our adult teams located kind of in Phoenix Park and that's where they still train but 70-80% of our membership is is based out in Lucan um, in West Dublin so when we started off Lucan was probably just like any other uh, suburb in Dublin whereas now it's the place with the highest density of people speaking Irish outside of the education system um, in the whole co- in the whole country excluding obviously Gwaeltoc there is so there really is a model there which shows when so to, to paraphrase Kevin Costner when you build it they were gone you know yeah and I think like that's it's so interesting to um, to hear that sort of that side of it where I think once you create a space that interests people um, alongside the the language because I think the language alone especially for say someone someone like me who wouldn't be fluent but they have an interest in Irish or they they want to learn it it's it's a it's an easier sell to say come down and play play a sport that you've played your whole life and to to do something that you do already while also learning from fluent Irish speakers and learning the language yeah and I think that that's kind of massively important I think you know languages need to be alive um, and I'm not sure how alive a language can be in a classroom environment mm. um, and I, I do think when you create experiences that are just kind of cool vibrant interesting experiences so a lot of people particularly at adult level like they play for us because maybe we're the closest GA club to their house you know we've plenty mm. of examples of people who uh, come down to training and they literally just pull into Google, where's the closest GA club to my house? And they've arrived down and they've been like, it's, what's going on here? And and I go, oh, we're an Irish speaking club. You up for that? Nine out of 10 times, they just say, just sure, why not? And yeah. like, it's great. Not only did they get all the benefits of, of playing sport, you know, and playing the GEA, such as, you know, physical activity, exercise, um, you know, connection to community, but they also get that kind of connection to to language as well, which is which is something that people tend to be very thankful and grateful for. It's a thing I think a lot of people a lot of people feel maybe isn't attainable, but it really, really is, you know. Yeah. But at the same time like there's no point in just looking at the log and saying how great it is. Like there needs to be more things out there, you know. So yeah. of all the voluntary, like voluntary groups, so let's say sports groups, gardening clubs, drama clubs, you know, all of those um, in Dublin City, uh, I think ninety nine point eight six percent of them are operating solely through the medium of English. Yeah. Um, you have of all the businesses, all the retail businesses out there, 
only 0.1% um, are signed up to schemes and to promote the use of Irish in their businesses. So what we have is we have 164,000 people who want to or who can speak a language at, and whom all the research will will say want to speak that language more often. And we've only 6,000 people speaking it every day. But you have that massive disconnect where we don't have enough businesses, public services, voluntary groups, sports clubs, which are able to kind of, you know, which are able to cater um, for that kind of latent demand and active demand that's out there. Mm. And what what are some of the things, I know it's early days, but what are some of the things that Gwailia 365 and Dublin City Council um, are starting to do to to fill that gap? Yeah, so I suppose we're looking at um, I suppose we're looking at a, a couple of things. I think for a long time, when it comes to how can we strengthen usage of the Irish language, people have been stuck in a bit of a paradigm that's kind of a bit of a rut, really. And it kind of tends to lead to, oh, let's do more Irish language classes and maybe a fertile core on the local library. And, oh, do you see that sign over there? Make sure it's bilingual. And really... There needs to be more. There's so much more that's possible. So one of the things that we kicked off last week was Encore the Crackball. That's an entrepreneurship program for Dublin City Council employees to help them develop new innovations and solutions that will um, create opportunities for people to speak Irish in local communities. So what could that mean? Like The answer is we, we don't know at the moment. Maybe that might mean um, swimming classes through Irish in your local uh, council-owned gym. Maybe that might mean, um, it might mean the local enterprise office is running courses in Irish language entrepreneurship um, and how people can use the Irish language as a USP for their business. Like, we're, we're not fully sure yet. And part of me doesn't want to, doesn't want to limit what's possible. But what we know is um, that we'll be looking to move away hard from you know, the kind of stock stuff that's been done for the last hundred years and hasn't really moved the dial massively. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited about that. And um, we're also kind of going to do similar programs out in the community, helping helping build capacity um, of young Irish speakers in particular to build um, that language infrastructure, to build the kind of groups, community groups, sports clubs, because at the end of the day, yeah, it's ninety nine by day six percent of things are operating solely through the medium of English, but each and every one of them was set up by a person or a group of people. So, as passionate Irish speakers, if we want to change that, and um, we need to go and we need to start saying, okay, well, like, what infrastructure can we build to make sure that you know it's it's easy and accessible for people to speak Irish in our community and um, on a daily basis. Mm. And I think that's. A great sort of the model for for innovation is that supporting people because everyone has great ideas within them. It's it's allowing people to to pursue those ideas and sort of encouraging that rather than forcing ideas onto people, letting innovation arrive naturally. A hundred percent. And one thing I find interesting is there's probably a bit of a space for both in that some people love the ideation part of it. Um, and some people love the implementation part and some people love both 
Um, and I do think a space needs to be created for people who love spotting good ideas and maybe bringing those into their local community and how they can be supported to do that. And equally, there's probably a space there for people to come up with their own ideas and how we can yeah. kind of support them to do that. So, yeah, I think we're, you know, what what we want to do is we want to create a gold standard and we want to show people what's possible, but we want to do it in a way that builds solutions that are replicable and scalable. So we want stuff that, you know, can happen in Cabra, can happen in Clonparf, but equally can happen in Clomel. And we want it to be stuff that compounds. So I think where we've been for a long time is, oh, we organized organized a big night out for Irish speakers in a local pub, and um, it cost... 10 grand to organize it and 500 people came. Whereas what had happened if you put a bench in the local park that said, see and show what how to give out in a strong chair, sit here if you'd like to speak Irish to a stranger. Maybe only three people a day might do it, right? Well, let's say that yeah. 2,000 euro. So over the course of a year, you're going to stimulate a thousand people to connect with each other, over a thousand yeah. people to connect with each other. And it's going to cost you a fraction of what the big night out with 500 people will cost. So I'm really interested in that space of kind of compounding. So not just kind of one and done, you know, you yeah. go in, you make a big splash. And and there is always a role for those sort of things as awareness drivers, as kind of community builders, as as things which give people kind of hope um, and build belief. And But I'm, I'm really interested in that whole space of well, what can we do that's scalable, replicable, replicable the compounds, you know, stuff that really is going to, you know, connect Irish speakers in communities in ways that will allow them to continuously engage with each other through the media of Irish. Mm-hmm. And I think just hearing that sort of long-term thinking and thinking forward rather than sort of, I suppose, transcending the current moment and looking forward, I think that's a really encouraging um, thought and it's great to see from... Uh, from Dublin City Council and yourself. Um, so I suppose just before we wrap up, I'd love to guess, I know from from knowing you a bit personally, I'd love to hear a bit about you, your relationship with sports. Your, so I know you you play, you coach, uh, and you're also a chairperson. But in terms of sport, what is what has the role of sport been in your life um, and how important is sport to you? Yeah, so I was a chairperson of a um, yeah, sport for me, I suppose, I think your relationship with sport evolves as you get older. For me, so much of it is around learning and learning about myself, learning about others. So much of it is about connection and community. Um, I love the fact that I don't think that men are particularly good at, and the research would show that men are particularly good at maintaining and friendships I love the fact that without really thinking because uh, I play hurling I get to go meet up with all my friends and twice a week do something we love together and none of us really has to organise it um, yeah. and I think the day that that kind of stops you know we'll go from seeing each other twice a week to twice a year you know and mm. so I, I do love that 
I love the purpose that comes from it. And and I love in particular, say, with the Harlan, like I was playing a match there at the weekend and I'm playing, I'm hurling now 25 years and I executed a skill in a match for the first time ever. You know, and I, I just love... Now, I'd never even had, I'd never even had reason to try the particular skill before, but just mm. the opportunity presented itself to execute a particular skill. And I just love that with hurling that there's thousands of different skills. And I love the mastery aspect of that. And I love just going out. I remember meeting a fellow one stage and he said he was uh, well into his seventies and he was a well traveled man. And he said, I'd been all over the world. I've eaten. I've eaten food in over 50 countries. I've seen the Taj Mahal, the Eiffel Tower, the works. And you know what? I've never found something more enjoyable than the horn, the ball, and the wall, he says. <laughs> I do think there is something in that. You know, I just love yeah. the sense of freedom and abandon and play. And I think that's important. Life makes you grow up. Yeah. Or it maybe allows you to stay young, you know. And yeah. I often see that with people I know who maybe have been involved with teams for a long time and maybe they're kind of jaw into their 50s or 60s and but they still have that vitality of youth and oftentimes when they step away from the teams just they could age two decades in mm. years you know mm. so yeah that's that's me in sport I suppose yeah I think just to uh, to tie it all up I think one thing that came across both Guelia and, and um, sport there was the, that idea of connection and whether it's connecting through the medium of a language or connecting through the medium of sport, I think like having that, having a um, a way to connect with others is so important. And like you said there, it's even better if it's if it's play and it's it doesn't feel like you're you're forcing anything. It's it's a natural sort of medium. So. Um, think that was really interesting but um yeah 100 and I, I think the world as a default one thing i find interesting is for people a lot of people who are looking to buy houses you'd often hear oh, i want a, a south face and back garden and what they mean there is that their back garden will get more sun but as mm. a construct it's kind of interesting because ultimately if you're in your back garden how are you connected all the time how are you kind of connecting with other people around you and I often see friends of mine who've moved into places who have north-facing back gardens that they actually have much better connection with their neighbours and much better sense of community because all of them spend all their time in the front garden getting the sun as opposed to the back garden. And I do think the world is defaulting towards being a slightly colder place and anything we can do to connect people, like connection is so fundamental to the human experience. And I think anything we can do to to drive on that connectivity is is massively important and, and is massively beneficial for people and for communities and for wider society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I could I could chat to you all day that year. We'll we'll get you back on eventually. But um thanks a million for, for giving me your time and uh, I think that's a, a lovely way to wrap up. Cool. Thanks, Billy Ellen. Yeah.